Okay, so you're very welcome, um, Don, yep. Don Shireen, is it? Yep, Don Shireen. It's Don. Irish, actually. Is it Irish? Is it? Yeah, I'm from the I'm from the Isle of McGee. My last name is McGee, so my family's heritage comes from the Isle of McGee. And Shireen was apparently a queen or something oh. during one of the realms back in the 700s or something like that. So. Yeah, my lack of history skills now is that they're showing up. I'm not getting caught off guard with that one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Don. Uh, McGee now is, is a very Irish name, all right. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Irish. I'm Irish, English, and American Indian, so it's like, go figure that one out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you run your own host. This is kind of like a two-podcast crossover in a way, because you have your own podcast, Dancing with yeah. Bipolar. Uh, when did yep. you start that? It, it's going a while, I think, is it? It started in April. Okay, not that long, actually, no. Not, yeah, not that long for as kind of big as it's getting. I'm not saying it's really getting, like, huge, but it's... um. It's starting to blow up a little bit, so I'm good with that. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I actually started mine in May, and it's funny, you know, when you see um, the statistics of people listening, you know, demographics, you know, when you just hit publish, it's kind of, it's a nice feeling. Obviously, people are taking something out of it, you know, um, but uh, it is surprising sometimes, isn't it, when uh, you see the view count or listener count. It's nice. Uh, I've had a huge jump over the past two days, um, and I just... So I just found out that I was um, podcast of the day for um, uh, not Radio Public for um, Player FM. Oh really? Yeah, that's quite a big yeah. one. I couldn't believe it, and I'm like, because on my numbers, I was like, there's something going on, and then it came through on my newsfeed, and it was like, you know, podcast of the day, and I was, and I always look at it, and I was like, it's never going to be me, and I looked at it this morning, and I was like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> you have quite a few episodes out at this stage, don't you? Yeah, I just put up 23 last night, so. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I've been kind of a bit slow off the mark. This is number 11, and uh, I really had to. Had a think I was away last week and I said, right, I may get the ball rolling because you lose steam otherwise, don't you? It seems like it. You know, I was actually doing it twice a week and that seemed like a little bit of overkill. And then I had some times where I just like let it go and it would be like just about on two weeks and that seemed a little bit too long. So I like the one week thing, maybe like the every eight days or every six yeah. days, something yeah. like that. Not necessarily a week, but yeah, it seems to go a lot better for me. And my friends are like, you can always do little like touch ups here for five minutes to like, you know, fill people in. And I'm like, yeah, I just need to start taking notes so I can remember what I want to talk about because I don't want to do that. Then it just seems like I'm padding it to have yeah. extra episodes and I don't want to do that either. So yeah, there's, there's a balance of a uh, kind of quantity. It's a very fine. Of- yeah, it's a very fine balance I think I just I'm still feeling it out you know just like the whole interview thing when I started it I wanted it to be basically interview based and then my interview started like just bagging on me and like you know you would wait for him and they uh it was just it's it's stupid you know what I mean it's like if you're gonna obligate to do something then just do it if you're scared you're scared but I was like I'm not gonna bite you or anything like that you know just no it's true you know so i and then i and now this year because this will i'm gonna have a new season i'm gonna i'm not gonna have seasons anymore but it would be a new season because i've got like six interviews lined up and up and through this up through november and um more to come so it's kind of like it's gonna take a different flow but i'll still be i'll still be jabbering <laughs> you know? yeah, that's good, isn't it? it does take a lot doesn't it like a lot goes on behind the scenes like a lot of even even the editing side of things you know I did a, I did one, a, my, this is my second Skype interview, uh, well not an interview, I always say to them, like it's a discussion and, you know, go back and forth, and 
it's free flowing kind of conversation. But um, I had some trouble editing the one last night. I, I put it up and I was like up at one in the morning and I was editing it and I got it all published. And then someone texted me and said, halfway through the audio drops. And I spent hours all day long trying to edit it and find out why. Um, so it, there, it, there is an awful lot that goes on behind the scenes, isn't there? Trying to make time and schedule it, you know. Well, there's, there's that, there's that as, you know, as far as the actual podcasting goes, but then there's the whole thing of claiming your podcast on all the different platforms that there are now and getting like a pod, like a pod site up your own like web page and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. there's, I mean, if I would have known how much work there was to do with it, I probably would have just been like, nobody needs to know what's going on with me. Nobody yeah. needs to know this. But I kind of went in like very like naive. I, I was going to say stupid, but just naive. And now yeah. it's like. I, I could write a book, literally, I could write a book on how to start a podcast and like everything that you should not do and every, you know, and what you should do and what you should be aware of and like copyright laws and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, there's an awful lot that goes into it, you know, and I had to pick up things and obviously, you know, still, but it is a relatively new kind of forum. So, you know, you kind of have to just go in blind a bit, but, um, but it's good though. It's nice to see people watching, uh, you know, I, I might shoot mine up on YouTube and on the podcast front. But it's more so on the podcast listening that the the count is, you know, because I don't think people like like I said, a lot of my interviews can sometimes roll on for an hour and a half or something, and I don't think people want to sit down and watch that. Rather, podcast is something you do when you're driving in the car, you can hear it through your radio or going for a run or something like that. It's like it's an appetizer. That's kind of like how I looked at it. It's like an appetizer. I mean, some of them go four hours. Like Joe Rogan, I mean, he can pull it off. He can pull it off, okay? I mean, I'll give the guy credit. But four hours, that's yeah. like, that's that's a date. I mean, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, it seriously is, yeah. But look, I, I, today I just kind of wanted to talk about, um, and it sounds, when I have it written down in front of me, it sounds very like a, a low thing to talk about, kind of. But it's it's your experience with kind of depression and, and suicide, mental health issues, and, and things you've come across over your experience um, because I did listen to your podcast, Make It Right, I did enjoy it, and um, but I, I did want to ask you some questions on um, kind of you. You it sounds like you kind of had, you know, you got to a depressive state, um, you had almost like a near death experience. It sounds like, and then you know, Make It Right was like almost a second chance where you put all your focus on aiding the mental illness. Am I saying that right? Would that be a good depiction of? The way it's that, pretty uh, close. Um, I've had depression pretty much my whole life. In fact, I was like reflecting on it last night when I did my podcast, and it was like the first time I tried to kill myself, I was six, six, um, six years old, and I can remember distinctly laying in the middle of the road and just praying that a bus would come by or that a car would hit me. So depression's been a staple of my life for as long as I can possibly remember. Now the suicide, I did die. Um, it's not clinical death because I died in my friend's bed, but I actually did die. I took 164 trazodone with vodka and um, an empty stomach on a, on a dare, basically. I was with a really bad boyfriend who was upset with me because I didn't get my social security disability that day when I was supposed to because there was a mess up with the lawyer. And um, he blamed me for it, which it was like, I was just as upset about not getting it but it was like, he was like, it was like, it was his money. And it was like, no, you're just, you're just this guy I hooked up with. You're, it's not nothing to do with you. You know? And he's like, I bet you couldn't even kill yourself. Right. 
Well, he caught me in a mood where I was like, really? I bet you I can. And I was living in a house where there was a whole bunch of junkies and everybody was on uh, pharmaceuticals and there was all kinds of pills to choose from. And it was his prescription of trazodone, which he was obviously not taking because there was three months worth of it for me to foolishly um, gobble. And um, I did. And though it wasn't a clinical death because none of them would call an ambulance for me because they were afraid they were going to get charged on a homicide because they knew I I was dying. Um, But I did. I mean, I died. I evacuated. um, And then I went into it's not I didn't have the tunnel experience. I just kind of wound up in this really light, beautiful, warm music place of like peace. It was, I guess it could be as like in the womb kind of, although I don't remember being in the womb, but like as being in the womb and um, it was beautiful and I was safe and, you know, I, I wanted to stay. I really did. And then the voices started coming to me like, it was more than one voice because I want to say it was God's voice, but it was more like an angelic choir of voices that came to me. And they're like, you're not done yet. You can stay here if you want to, or you can go back and you can make it right. And as soon as they said, make it right, I could feel my body being pulled back and out and it was cold and it was dark and there was pain. Uh, When I came back into my body, there was so much pain from well, from the overdose and then from the re-entry, I'm going to say, because I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure the process of, like, molecular, molecularly what happens when that happens to you. If you actually do start, like, disintegrating in your own body and when you're going through. Um, but I came, I came back through and the first thing when I opened my eyes was my dog, who is, like, right here next to me now, like, just laying there, like, looking at me, tears his, his fur was pelted from crying for as many hours or days because I lost, I lost a day on this. So I obviously didn't die immediately, but, you know, I was in a, I want to say I was like in a coma-like state if it wasn't an actual death. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll go How long ago was this? Hmm? How long ago did it actually happen? That was about 14 years ago. I was 40, yeah, just about 14 years ago. But it's still when I, I remember it like it was yesterday and I can remember coming back and even though I was in pain and, um, you know, I went to the hospital for a really long time. I, I gave myself pancreatitis and I was starting to shut down vital organs and all kinds of good stuff. But I can remember the whole make it right, make it right, make it right. And I was just like, what does that mean? What am I supposed to make right Am I supposed to make my life right? Am I supposed to make the world? What am I supposed to do? And I searched for that for a really long time, but on the coming back after my rebirth, I looked at life in such a different way. It was so much more important and everything was so much greater than me, you know, and when I I was hyper-focused on me during this time beforehand, you know, I was going to kill myself. I was going to do drugs. I was going to always all about me. And then coming back, I think maybe I got the connection of the oneness of the world and that it isn't all about me. It's about all of us together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're tonal. So it's like all together, we can be a beautiful orchestra or we can be a clash of sounds that is just unbelievably negative. And still to this day, you know, 14 years later, I still am like awestruck by certain things and I'll go outside and I'll see an Eagle come overhead or I'll hear like, a, you know, a, 
a bunch of notes together. I'm a musician, so like music is like really key to me. I'll hear like a certain, you know, strain of notes and it'll just like bring tears to my eyes because it's like it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And I can I, you know, respect that now and realize that I'm not gonna get a second chance to live this life and have all this, you know, beauty around me and to make it right which I think now I've finally fallen into what it is. It took an awfully long time for me to get here to figure it out. But I think I do. I think I got it. And it's to um, make other people aware of how beautiful life is. Yeah, it sucks. We have times when it's like, it's horrible, but it's not worth dying over. Yeah. You know, we're all going to die anyway. We've got, it's an inevitability. So why rush it? You know, cause it's a given that we're here and we're going to die. So let's just, you know, take the ride and see what happens and let's yeah. not end it early, you know? Yeah. And, you know, funny, I was I was talking to a guy yesterday. Um, he Fred is his name, and um, he was involved in a lot of, um, in his youth, he was a bit misguided and he was in and out of prisons and, and uh, he he came to a clash with another gang and he, um, he, he had a near-death experience as well. Um, but he would say he was on the wrong path and uh, he had a very different kind of experience you did. He had a cold, empty one with the feeling of, well, sorry, it wasn't cold. It was empty darkness. And he said the feeling of heat escalating. So, but you know, it's funny because last year before I even began uh, the idea of a podcast, I even thought about it. I, I came across a book and it was about near death experiences. And, um, you know, it was, it was this guy, he studied him for like 15 years. And I can't actually think of the book now. I should have been more prepared to have that written down. But um, he, he went to all cultures and uh, talked to surgeons and all different races of people and all. And uh, the correlations were, were ridiculous, you know. Um, you know, the feeling of peace or the, the voice, the choice, like you said, um, of going back. And that feeling of heaviness and pain when they did return. Um and I've actually wrote down a bit, there's a, a lot of statistics I was reading yesterday um, on reoccurring experiences um, from people who've been clinically dead for some time. And the Missouri Medical Association report that 20% of people who come to critical condition report a near-death experience. It's very high, you know, it's like one in five. Um, a lot. Yeah, it's a quote, it's a quote from the journal from Andy Jeffrey Long reads, there's a char- there are characteristic features that are commonly observant in near-death experiences. These include passing through a tunnel, ex- encountering ex- mysterious light, intense and general positive emotions, uh, life review, encountering deceased loved ones, and a choice to return to earthly life. And uh, like surgeons have apparently made such noise about it that it's been scholarly investigation for almost 40 years, and it's actually converting atheist surgeons from just seeing these things, you know. Um, so from from that, would you say then, would you believe in a higher power or did you come from not believing to now believing or what, what's your stand on that? I had faith before, well, I believed in God. I, you know, I had lost faith in God after my dad died when I was 15. I didn't not believe in him, but I didn't feel he believed in me. But yeah, since coming back, I'm still not sure it's a singular entity or if it's more of a pluralistic. And I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, there's definitely something bigger than us. There's something that guides us or at least gives us signs as to where they want us to go. 
Um, if it is a God, then of course our free will comes into play where, <laughs> you know, we get the choice to go one way or the other. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely believe that there's a higher power than us. Um, nature, infinity, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I, I call it God because that's my upbringing and, um, yeah, yeah, that whole death thing. I mean, there was some intimacy in it too, which is kind of hard to explain, but it was, um, wow, it's really hard to explain, but it was like being, being like back in like your safe home area. Like, I'm not going to say like a spaceship type thing because that sounds crazy. Like bring me home, but something similar to that, like like I was home, like I was in a very familiar place where I knew I was safe and I knew I was loved. And I knew that the pain would, the mental pain would stop. And that all the agony that I've been going through as a, since a child was no longer going to happen. Um, so I don't know if that's God, but it was definitely something that I was familiar with. Like, like when you're born, you come from something like I had gone back to that yeah, pre, for my time, I wasn't supposed to be there yet, but they accepted me and were willing to let me stay. <laughs> but the choice was given to me that, you know, stay or go back and make it right. Now, I, you know, the funny thing is I sometimes wonder, like, if I hadn't come back and decided to try to figure out what make it right means, what my life would be like now. Yeah. Had I not followed the direction or it wasn't an order. It was definitely a direction that I was supposed to follow when I came back. Yeah. What? What would I be doing now if I had decided to come back and just like basically crap all over my second chance and go back to being the drug addicted, you know, loser that I was prior to this, you know? Um, so yeah, there's definitely a thing about the higher power. Um, yeah. You probably wouldn't have got a third chance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, you know, because I, you know, cause since then I have tried, well, not necessarily tried to kill myself again, but I've had some really dark moments where I wound up in a psych ward with you know suicidality all playing around it and those times are so dark and it's like they're not shutting me down whatever that is that let me come back but they're definitely displeased with what i'm up to and um i honestly don't think that i can kill myself again to tell you the truth i think that because i've gotten this second chance that even if i wanted to try to do something stupid like the rope would break the truck would you know the truck would miss me i would get a wind shear and i would you know fly up above it or something like that so i i don't know but there's definitely something way greater than we are you know they got recently there's a lot of um mixed opinions on uh, antidepressant tablets you know then their side effects and things like that um but what um what's your take on that? You know, for someone to take them, would you would you recommend them? Well, I hate my meds. I have to take them. Without them, I'm I get delusional when I'm not on them. I it kind of goes a little further, which some people say is because I came back from the near death or my death, and that because now I've been in through a different realm and on a different plane that I I can see things differently. So like this you know, this, what it call it, we're in a four dimensional or three dimensional world right now. I can see the fifth dimension of it. So they, you know, so, um, I personally feel if you can avoid going on pharmaceuticals by any way, shape or form, don't go on them because once you're on them, it's kind of a catch 22. They make you better, but they make you worse. You have to be on them forever. And then there's side effects. And then when they don't, when they stop working, 
you're back at square one again where you were before if you hadn't started taking the pharmaceuticals. So um, they're dangerous for your liver. They're dangerous for your kidneys. Um, they, they can cause cancer. You know, I really, I've been trying, I've been fighting with my doctor actually to get off what I'm on right now. Now seeing that I was last hospitalized in March, he's not willing to take me off anything yet because it's still too close to call or whatever he says. Yeah. But I, w I was in remission from this for like seven years. And then all of a sudden my bipolar just came back and like hit me like a brick. Um, I wasn't, I, for seven years, I was just, you know, healthy eating, uh, exercise and, you know, right living. And I was fine. And then I don't know what happened if it was because of it, uh, you know, metabolism thing, or I don't know what happened, but man, it hit me hard when it came back. And it was just like, you got to be kidding me. I thought I had it beat, you know? And, um, they put me on, they put me on meds like f five years ago and I stayed on them for a while. And then I was like, no, I'm better. I can, you know, I don't need this. And I was okay for a long time, or I thought I was okay for a long time. Mm, yeah. I probably wasn't okay for a long time. And then this last round last year, when I fell into a deep depression and I actually tried to overdose on trazodone again in December and uh, it obviously wasn't going to work. So I called up my friend and I was like, dude, I'm dying. I'm overdosing right now. And he came and he picked me up and brought me to the hospital, yelled at me all the way there. You know, and like you make some of the worst. Food up. Right. And he's like, so what are you overdosing on? I'm like, uh, my, my trazodone. And he's like, you know, he's like, what, the third time's a shot on this doll? I'm like, no, I call for help. I don't want to die. I just don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah. You know? Because I was just it's miserable. Like, well, it sounds like it's a vicious cycle. I know as well, you know, with the, the controversy about the, the meds. And I have seen different opinions on, you know, some say as well that it should be an option because, you know, they might have side effects, but at least they're not fatal, you know, if people are right on the cusp of that. But obviously, it's a vicious cycle, like you said, they can yeah. damage But no, body. side effects can definitely be fatal. If you stop taking your meds, you can die. Um, there's no two ways about that. You can become suicidal or like your body functions can start to shut down because you're, you become, um, you need them. You become dependent on them. Your body becomes dependent on them. I notice now if I miss a day that like, there's certain things that I feel about my body that I'm like, Oh, I forgot to take my meds today. Cause I'll start getting a blazing headache or, um, you know, I'll, one of them I have is, um, it's, it makes you so that you're, you dry up. Um, it used to be an allergy medicine and I'll notice that immediately when I don't take that one. Cause all of a sudden I'm like, my nose is running and I'm just like all kind of gooky, you know? And it's like, Oh, I forgot to take my meds today. Yeah. But yeah, some of them, you stop taking them. You can't go cold Turkey off your meds. Um, I highly advise you don't go cold Turkey off your meds cause you can die. You can have a heart attack. I mean, you could kill you. you those are the times when even if you're not suicidal, that you would kill yourself because you're also crazy from not having that med that's keeping you quote unquote normal. That, um, yeah. So it's crazy, if you, you know, at this day and age with all the, you know, they're, they're curing diseases every day. They can't just get, you know, non side effects kind of antidepressant really, you know, isn't it? They, it's crazy that they affect your liver and can give you cancer. And it's, it's, it's their, your heart, I mean, they, cause they affect every muscle in your body is what they do. And, um, so yeah, your body, it's like, it's like, it's not like heroin, but it's like heroin. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like your body becomes dependent on it. And, um, 
there's there's times when I don't take my meds that I go into arrhythmia, my heart arrhythmia. It's crazy. And it's like, just because I forgot to take it. And it, it's terrifying to me that my body has grown so dependent on these medications. And then I'm like, what happens when, you know, when and if the third world war happens and all of a sudden I can't get my meds anymore? What then? When Am I going to detox and die off of them before I can like get my body right again without them? I yeah, mean, yeah, that's true. It's, it's scary. It is. Uh, just one thing you said there is that you said that you, uh, you play music, you, you play a certain instrument, do you? I play 28 instruments. I started on tuba, though. Yeah. When I, you know, when I do something, I do it a hundred percent. So it's like, I'm going to be a musician. I'm, yeah. I play 28 instruments, um, started on tuba when I was in fourth grade. So I was about nine. Um, <laughs> 28, I didn't think that was possible even, you know, guitar, like I, I play a bit of, well, I, I play guitar at my brother's, um, We've been playing for years and all, but I was going to lead into, do you, do you find music helps? I find music as, you know, helps lift my mood hugely. I often talk about, like, the podcast Train, Todd, and Truth, and we go through how music, I think, falls into the kind of spiritual side of things because, you know, it alters your mood and it kind of feels like it elevates you in some ways and it speaks to a different part you know people listen to music and you know they get emotional about it and they even i was looking up facts on running you know they brought out the spotify where you know the you run to the beat of the music it matches your heart but if you listen to music long enough it will actually uh, synchronize with your respiratory and your system and all this you know and do you find music helps when you're ever in that kind of state of mind yeah i love music um you know, because as human beings, we're vibrational. So our vibration can match the tones in the music. Yeah. And um, I, if it's rare that I don't have my headphones in, like I actually don't have them around my neck right now because I knew I was doing this. But I mean, they're constantly on me. I listen to music probably 17 hours a day, literally while I'm awake. I don't have TV. I, I have a PlayStation, but I don't play games so much anymore. Um, yeah, I think music is very, very spiritual and it's a way for us to, you know, recommune with nature. And sometimes, I mean, I won't have my headphones on and I'll just go take a walk and listen to the birds and the wind and the water and how it yeah. is its own music, you yeah. know, and how my dog is snoring right now. And it's like, you know, he's <laughs> making his own music on top of it. But yeah, you know, music- I, I, I get what you mean there because I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I similar to you have the headphones around and actually I think I've seen a photo with you with your headphones. I think it was the same <laughs> ones, you know, and um, the ones in the magnetic thing there to go around like a necklace. Yep. Yep. But, uh, sometimes when I go out, like today, I was at my son's basketball practice and they were going to watch a match. So I said, look, I'm going to walk back to the house. And uh, I looked everywhere for my earphones, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, I really wanted to, you know, sometimes you don't want to miss that opportunity. But then as well, when you hit stop, sometimes you do take your earphones out and you hear it. It sounds, it sounds a bit cheesy, but the, the birds and, and, you know, and things like that, it is, it's great to hear because you don't hear that enough. We go from home into the car, into work, back in the car, home, and then if you go for a run, you listen to music, and sometimes you just need to go outside and, and open your eyes and ears sometimes, don't you, just to reconnect. Yeah, I mean, that's like the spiritual music. I mean, that's that might be similar to what I heard when I was in my, I don't even know, I want to say my death, but like my state of mind at that time. Um, but yeah, nature is its own. I mean, it's, it can be beautiful, like, you know, the, the croaking of the frogs and the ducks. And because I walk my dog like every day we do a five mile. Well, he's getting older now. So we 
kind of down to three miles, but we walk to this place called Rainbow Lake pretty much every day. And he has his own duck friends and we've actually adopted our own duck that looks like him as a black and white speckled duck. And we call him Barnaby. And, um, he jumps, he jumps for bread. Like he literally lifts up out of the water and jumps for bread. So he's a very special duck. We say he's from France because he looks like none of the other ducks in the pond whatsoever. But, um, yeah, I, I do that a lot because I can totally isolate myself with music on top of it. So I have to be mindful of it that sometimes I need to like reconnect with the world and nature is the better way to do it. Cause I really could do without hearing all the jibber jabber of people a lot of times. And I don't mean that in a rude way, but yeah. I don't need gossip. I don't need the drama. And that seems to be what 99% of the people around where I'm at want to talk about. And yeah. I have no, in no interest in that whatsoever. It's, you know, it's if you want to like talk covers your head a lot, doesn't it? You need that, uh, your own you need to clear out the head and that's what it does really you know like i i sometimes cycle an awful lot and sometimes i, I just you know get off the bike and just just take in what's around because i don't think we do that enough and appreciate it enough really you know what's going on or you know you, the sun might be setting and like right i may get back soon but you know that's just a given the sun sets every day but when you actually stop and look at it and what's actually happening you know it's it's pretty amazing but we just what we're thinking about is getting home getting the dinner on work tomorrow make sure you, you know and it's all these things that you know we, we've cluttered our, our our things together it's more important to make sure we don't miss a certain show on tv at that particular time and you know when you don't, I don't even look like, i don't know, live you, like that yeah i would say i'm on disability so i don't have to worry about the whole job thing um i'm on disability for the bipolar but um it's kind of funny like we've been given this beautiful earth that which we're destroying in my opinion um and people are more focused on dancing with the stars than actually dancing yeah. with the stars. You yeah. know, I mean, we go outside <laughs> do that. You know, I mean, it's funny because I'm the one who like sets my clock for like we have um a, like a blue moon uh, eclipse or something like that. And I'll be the one I'll set my alarm for two o'clock in the morning to actually go outside and freeze my butt off and see it. You know, I'll be the one to get up for the Leonides. You know, and and watch the asteroids and. But yeah, people take it for granted because it's like they know it's going to happen every day. And they're like, someday I'll be able to, you know, retire and then I'll be able to do this and then I'll be able to do that. And it's like, but you don't know that you have that option. You don't know that that chance is there. And how many yeah. how many beautiful sunsets have you missed? It's just like in The Little Prince where the guy is the lamplighter and all he ever wants to do is sleep. And then there's the one, the king who counts. All he does is count the um the sunrises and sunsets but he never looks at them because he's too busy counting them it's like isn't that the saddest thing ever but it's true as well yeah and I, i'm the same you know when i see a full moon and it's down low and it's you you know when i stand at the window like, taking a look at this and most people are like oh no you know whatever but if i was to say to people you know what were you doing last night you went down and like it's looking at you know this orion's without the net you know like what you know but like, what were you doing watching TV? Is that not a bit more shocking? Like, whatever else that's going on around you, you know? We forget where we are. You know, all, all we see is four walls, the tree leaf space. And it's unfortunate because it's either, you know, the four ends of your car or the four ends of your, your sitting room or your kitchen and the blinds down. You don't want to associate with your next door neighbors. And, you know, these <laughs> kinds, I'm not saying me specifically, I mean, like, just you watch the vibe you get, you know? But, um, so I made an effort this week and I came home from work and I was wrecked, but I, I got changed and I said, I'm going to drop by someone and just get out more and, and, and chat to people more because 
them weekdays for me working Monday to Friday it's like you're living for the weekend and everyone's always talking about that and then it's kind of like you know you're 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 wishing your days away and wishing your time away you're burning your daylight and you know really should be focusing on enjoying the day and get that whole Monday mentality out of your head you know and so that you're not just happy for two days of a week you know but are people even happy those two days of the week because then yeah. they're just trying to jam pack everything into those two days and they make so much importance on just that that again they're still missing the bigger picture of just like letting it ride you know i mean i get the planning and stuff like that and you want to take your family to someplace nice but don't plan out every second of it like let stuff just happen yeah you know no. like, i know people that go to the grand canyon and they have it like mile marked by like every 50 minute increment of where they're going to be on the and it's like but you don't know if you're going to see a condor and you're going to want to like sit there and look at it in awe for a half hour or, or if you're going to, yes. you know, you don't know what you're going to see. So how can really you, can. how can you plan that? How can you pre-plan? The That's what I found interesting actually. Um, I see, you know, when you're talking about your dog there and I think you have, your cats as well. Don't you have cats as well? I have uh, cats. <laughs> there's something I read last year and I, I really looked it up because, um, it, it, you know, they, they say how much, these animals help people's, you know, you could say soul, or you could say mental state, or you could say depressive state, or whatever. But um, there's there's studies done on how much they actually affect people, you know, clinical studies. And it says, you know, study from the National Alliance shows that dogs in particular can lower their owner's blood pressure, their risk of heart disease, they elevate oxytocin and dopamine levels, creating positive feelings. You know, like how important are your pets to you? They're my family. Um, they're my family. You know, I got doc when I got sober from alcohol and my AA sponsor told me that I had to get a dog because a plant wouldn't keep me sober. And I was like, the big book says right here, plant first. And she's like, there's no way a plant is going <laughs> to keep you sober. She says, you have to get a, you have to get a dog. Yeah. So we went and we emancipated my dog from a gang yard in Waterbury, Connecticut. And um, I named him Doc, which is short for Department of Corrections, which is where I knew I was going to wind up if I didn't get sober. And um, I've had him ever since. And I've been sober ever since I got him. And he just turned 13. But yeah, my animals. And it is true about the heart rate because I used to I had a cat before mine and Doc's cat. And um I used to call her my blood pressure pill because when I would start cooking out and start freaking, she would immediately come up and lay on my chest. And like within five minutes, like my heart rate would be matching her heart rate. And mm -hmm. it's true, you know, and it's like with doc, like he's not, it's really rare that we're not like hanging out together. Um, and I'm not sure who benefits who the most. <laughs> I mean, I feed him, but he's kept me sober. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to give him credit for that because I, my AA sponsor was dead straight without something that was bigger than me that I had to take responsibility for and that I learned unconditional love from doc. Um, I really did. So yeah. even on the know, other side of things, even without the, the actual physical health side of things, you know, they, they recommend them for elderly people as well, because if they get a dog and they go walking them and you know, they, they meet other dog owners and it takes away the loneliness, just from them being there it takes away the loneliness. But um, it, it, the dogs, though, you know, there's something very special about dogs. I'm not knocking cats or any other pets either. But just, uh, I think, in my own opinion, I, you know, I have, we've always had dogs growing up. And I had one particular dog called Max. And uh, he passed, like, 
11 years ago, almost 11 years ago. Next month will be, but uh, still talking about him, I, I get quivering the voice, you know what I mean? Because he, he was just one of those family members who uh, was 16, big golden Labrador, and it was the hardest thing ever to, uh, we had to say goodbye to him on, on, the opera, on, on the table in the vets, and, uh, you know, I closed his eyes, but what he did for the family, you know, he... Uh, you know, the, the, we've had loads of dogs, but there's him in particular, you know, but the, you get so close to them and they are family members, you know, you, you mourn for them and uh, you remember them like so because because of that unconditional love as well. You know, they're always happy to see you no matter how, you know, we have shitty days and we come home and we can take it out on people. A dog if it has a shitty day where it's been kicked by a passerby or fucking nearly hit by a car or whatever, they, they won't um they won't take it out on you, you know what I mean? They'll be happy to see you anyway, you know? No matter what. I mean, even when I've come home from hospitalizations and when I died back east, I was gone for a couple months from him. And um, I mean, I've never felt more selfish in my life. Let me just add that to after that. Um, it was the most selfish thing I've ever done was to try to take my own life. I'm, I'm not going to, there's there's no two ways about that. Um he forget like he forgave me and I'm still working on forgiving myself for what I did to him because it was, he didn't deserve it. He has um, a severe anxiety separation thing now because of that, which really? is understandable. You know, it's totally understandable, but, um, you know, I, I often say to him, like, you know, he's a person, but it's like, I don't know who I would be without you doc, because you've made me a better person. And, it's true you know he taught me how to be humane you know yeah because yeah, you hear like dogs you know they're that much they're that connected you hear about dogs waiting by people's graves you know and you know you, you hear about you hear dogs or yep yeah and you've seen dogs you know you know when they they, they let people in, in coma see their dog for the last time the dog sniffing them they know well you know you can hear them very upset about it and you see the, all the videos of the soldiers coming home and how you know the dogs are like kids you know but um, they do have a very special connection I think if there was ever a purpose for dogs if you know it, it sounds like I'm simplifying it because you know they have so much they give so much and, and it's not to say that they're just here for us but they do you know massively help people you know I think they connect with people and they you know it's it's a it's a two-way relationship and they it both is. get so it's it. yeah because um even with when when doc was younger i used to take them to um libraries with kids that had like autism and stuff like that and who couldn't read very well or wouldn't read very well to people now they could read like a champion when they were, had a dog by them yeah. so um, and, and doc i mean i thought i had read something a couple years back that like there was an extra DNA gene or something that was starting to grow in dogs that made them actually closer to human. Like they were, they were gaining something from all their presence on earth with animals that they were gaining some, a gene, a chromosome, something like that, that was actually making them more human like. Yeah. So, um, I can get that though. I mean, doc can go around ill people and people that are just like really depressed people and they don't want to deal with people but they'll allow doc to come by and the next thing you know, they'll be like talking to him in his ear and like whispering to him and, you know, yeah. and smiling. And it's like, you know, and it's like, doc is like a guardian angel. I swear he is like, he was gifted to me after I died because yeah. they knew I was going to need something to keep me on the path of make That's it right. right. 
Like you could even argue the case. Like where would you be without without Doc? I I would be dead. I'd be dead without Doc. I have no doubt about it. I I really don't. I he gave me. I mean, I have my own reasons to live now, and it's not all about Doc. But when I first got him, it was all about Doc because I couldn't focus on myself because I was a wreck. I mean, I was such a mess. Yeah, you know. And you, you know, you talk about people talking to the dogs and all, but they do. It's not like you're talking to you know a parrot or you know it's something like that because dogs understand the tone and uh, they understand they, they they sense your emotions and uh, they react to it and it's like you know even though your life might might not be all about them their life seems to be all about you you know and that's you know it it's they are I think they're purpose built in that way almost if you were to say they were, they were created you know I, I would argue the toss that they you know that that were created and I do think that dogs have a very special purpose you know and they and they they achieve it very well you know obviously there's there's dogs that people are to be you know afraid of because they've been mistreated or they're left on a leash and they obviously you know there is vicious dogs you know but but in general when people have a pet dog you know it's it's a family member you know Um, well he is my he's my he's like my i not to say like son but he is my family you know because my family is i'm i'm not my family and i don't get along i haven't got along with them in a long time and um he is my family and he's also a 140 pound pit bull so we're talking about that breed thing there (laughs) where people are generally terrified of pit bulls um but not doc man you know they they might be a little hesitant at first and then you know he'll just come up and give them a big lick or he'll sit down and give them their paw and it's like oh he's not he's not big and scary and it's like i told you you know so you mentioned something about um, the physical exercise earlier on. Um, I often do talk about that and how it links with your mental health. You know, did you find? Do you find that that helps having that routine? You know, uh, yeah. advise it. Or, you know, I would totally. Yeah, if you have any kind of mental illness and um, can exercise, I highly advise it. There's that whole mind body spirit connection, which is really true, and. Um, after a really good workout, when your endorphins are pumping and everything, I mean, that's a spirit. There's its own spirituality within that as well. Mm. Plus, it also helps with weight gain, which is a serious side effect with a lot of the medication for, um, you know, oh, mental yeah. mental health problems. So it helps keep your weight down, which also helps to keep the depression down because people get really upset when they gain 100 pounds in four months, um, understandably. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exercise is key. And plus, it's also just key for the whole, you know, you know, the whole spiritual thing of being, you know, one. Well, I always go outside and exercise. I don't deal with a gym. I got my own workout weirdness routine at a um, abandoned campground close to the lake that Doc and I go to. So I've got my own really like my hip hop ballet routine, which people are like, what in the world is she doing? But <laughs> believe me, I work up a good sweat and um but yeah, I think yeah, it's another, it's another key component of um, exercise is you know your your temple, your body, you know, in a way of respecting yourself. Of you know, even if it's not if it's not for for weight loss, which a lot of people go into it just with that one thing in mind, and that's where they lose it when they should just be like, I'm doing this for me, so I just feel better. Now, if the weight comes off, the weight comes off. But if it doesn't, I'm still doing it to make myself feel better. But a lot of people don't want to exercise because they remember gym class back in school where they're getting hit in the head with a volleyball, you know, and that's no fun. Yeah. So, you know, why would you want to exercise? But I mean, 
it definitely, definitely, definitely helps. I recommend it to anybody I know that has any form of illness whatsoever, be it, you know, a mental health illness or diabetes or like even musculosclerosis, just keep active in your body. It'll, it'll help keep disease away. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It definitely does pay off. And that's why that whole mind, body, spirit thing, that's what my aim with the podcast was, you know, because I do think that, um, you know, I had the mind and body thing for a long time and there was something missing, I find, and I, I had to get my head around that side of things. But I really think it helps become a more balanced person, you know, um, and then the podcast was just about, I was just kind of putting out, laying out, talking to different people about their experiences, like we are today, you know, and when you're talking about, well, really, we're encompassing the three things, you know, some people are more sports inclined, some people are more whatever, you know, and um but it is very important and I hope people take away, you know, that from from here and you know, because once you start moving, even if you don't want it, you know, you never regret going out for a walk, you know, I don't think so, you know. Exactly. You, you never regret doing a bit of a jog and you know, unless you fall down and injure yourself of course, but you never regret the effort of doing it. Uh, and obviously it gets them endorphins going and, and gets the blood pumping and your 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 body the oxygen carried through the blood to all the different muscle cells. It gets you, it wakes you up and just, and it, re it releases stress, which is yeah. a killer, you yeah. know, and that's like such a prime way to get rid of stress. Um, yeah. And it's know. fun. Once you get, once you do it a few times, you get a bug for it then as well. The cat becomes one of your, pro, your uh, routines. And then of course the weight loss, like you said, that's a great, that should be seen as a great, you know, side effect from us really, you know, by right? Yeah. And we, but when I say that, so say, I think that really, as we were talking about this last night about, you know, why do, why set up a podcast or why try and help people in, in, in that way? You know, really, I, I found as though I was, had this kind of strength, kind of calling to do something, you know, and I wasn't doing something I should have been doing. And then I found I could be doing more to help others as well, you know, because I, I was talking to a lot of people who were struggling with their weight also leading into struggling with their mental state because that obviously follows on and then we're a bit lost spiritually um, and found no meaning kind of in their life and I was finding all that that was all falling together for me for the first few times so I really felt as though you know I was getting a calling to do that you know I had the mics and I had the things like that because of because we were playing music so I had all the equipment and the room in now is actually where I work. And my boss said, work away, you can use it whenever you want if you want to interview people. So everything was, was like it was there in front of me, just telling me, just do it, just hit record and go now, you know. <laughs> Would you say you had a calling, basically, after coming out of that make it right, it would sound to me as if you're, you start tackling kind of mental health issues from then on a bit. I, I tried to help, t I wanted to destigmatize it is what it really was. And yeah, I was active in um, like my local NAMI and things like that. And where I, where I live now is, um, it's kind of a nutty place. I live in Arizona and I live three miles from the largest Apache uh, reservation in the United States. And I live uh, 230 miles away from the Mexican border, so we have a nice we have a nice mix. What is that? Of, what, I, 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 as as an Irish person, I don't know what that means. <laughs> the, what the Mexican border? 
Oh, so the Mexican border. What what do you yeah. say? Actually, on the other side. Sorry. 230 miles away from that. Here so um, the suicide rate out here is incredible because um, mm. we only hear about half the stats that are coming off the reservation. They don't give us all the numbers. It's 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 high. And I forgot what your actual question was again. But well, was just, just if you found as though you, you felt as though you had a calling to uh, maybe destigmatize it or to help. Calling, yeah, I had a calling to do something. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I thought originally it was going to be a book, which I've been formulating in my head since I was about 15 years old. Um, and it was going to be called Nothing But a Teenage Statistic, which was, you know, because we are, it's true. When you're a teenager, everything you do is statisized. You're just a statistic. It doesn't matter what you do. You're just a number. Yeah. Um, and then my friends thought I should start a YouTube page a long time ago. And I was like, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't, I didn't think that I was, I don't know what it was. I guess maybe I didn't think that I could carry the message that needed to be carried yet. Now, when I came out of the hospital this past March, um, after going delusional, that's in one of the podcasts. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it goes into why I went into my last hospitalization when I thought I was home invaded by 57 people that were not really here. That's why you stay on your medications, oh, kids. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> okay. But when I came out of that, and I was like, and that, like the gravity of how important it is for people to understand the whole, the whole deal, you know? Um, and it was funny because I was supposed to be on a friend's podcast and I kept hedging it and hedging it and being like, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And then all of a sudden I was like, I made up my mind and I was like, I want to be on your podcast like yesterday. And she's like, well, you have to wait. I have this many people booked ahead of you. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, now I'm ready to do it. And I, and, she, and I was like, you know what? I can just as easy download this app and hit record and get my message out on my own. And that's what I did. And believe me, that first podcast is awful. <laughs> I, go, I go back and listen to it now and it's like three minutes of, but you know, you have to intro, you have to do an intro. Yeah. And it's like, I keep thinking I want to delete it off of the whole thing. And I'm like, you can't delete the first one because that's the whole basis of what this yeah. whole thing is built on. Yeah. But since I've been doing it, my, the under, my understanding of what I, what I need to do and make it right and it all makes sense now. It all like came together. And it's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know for how long. And I don't know if this is going to turn into a book deal. And I keep thinking it would make an amazing sitcom, my life. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, and I keep saying to everybody, I am my own franchise. Like, you know, everything that happens from here on is because I made this one huge step, um, and people are like, you're so brave. And I didn't actually see it that way, but I kind of do now. It's like, yeah, I was brave or I was just flat dumb. I'm not sure which way this goes, but yeah, there's a calling to it. There's a calling to it now where I'm, I, I'm hungry to help people realize how important life is and to not die. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, yeah. you know, it's funny, like I was talking about timing the other day. Sometimes things fall into place. Like you said, you hadn't written the book yet, but maybe that is the come from the experience of talking to other people on the podcast or, or your own development. But as well, you know, timing is key. I think, you know, some, some, I can't even chalk it down to coincidence anymore how some things fit together so well. Like even when you talk about there, 
you know, you wanted to be a guest and all of a sudden she, her roster was full, which made you take the step to do your own podcast, you know, which you mightn't have done if you'd just done the episode and was happy with, you know, putting exactly. it out. Exactly. You know? With just the one message getting out, it would have been like, that's good enough. And yeah, yeah. You know, no, you could have took a look at her and realized how, asked her how hard it is to do and said, oh, it's not for me then. But the fact that you, you know, it, you know, it was full time. And I think my time was right as well. Like I, 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 came across certain people this year, people who were acquaintances kind of in the background and um, who I kind of pitched the ideas to. And I know he'll know what I'm talking about when I'm talking now. And, I, you know, I was a little bit hesitant to put out what it is because everyone's so critical, you know, everyone's so, and everyone has their own view of things. And, you know, your family members and friends and all who disagree with the way you see things and, uh, you know, you're reading books and you're taking in the world as you see it and you want to talk to different people. And really, you know, I had a list of my podcasts. It was Train, Todd, and Truth. And most people, in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's a fitness podcast, you know. But I knew it was more than that. But when you start talking about the spiritual side of things and the mental health and all, people were kind of... And now, then I was, like, doing a few episodes, and they were getting more to the spiritual side. And then I was trying to hold back on talking to people who were just footballers, say, or just, um, like, some sport, like kickboxing or whatever like that. I was like, I better not do that yet. Uh, then I was like, these things are coming to me. You know, I'm not putting them on hold. You know, you, you just take these things as they come and put it out there. You know, and just do your bit of research on it and, and enjoy it. And hopefully, people get some some positivity from it. You know, um, and I, I do get some messages. And, yeah, people get out of it what they want to get out of it. Now, what you're putting into it, you're a very positive, dude. I, you know, you're, I can tell that. Like, you're you're very positive. You're very up. <laughs> but somebody who wants to be a curmudgeon no matter you whatever it is you're going to show them they're going to find some kind of a negative yeah. side to it so yeah, you know yeah, you can't yeah. please, you definitely can't please everybody but as long as what you think you're doing and you feel good about it and you know you can you go to bed at night and you're like that was a day well spent yeah yeah that's what it's all about well, they say nothing done right is insignificant you know where you put your effort in and as well it's true you know if you're trying to make everyone happy and um, you'll never do anything at all because it's impossible you know everyone's going to have and yeah you know, i had this this issue that you know whatever i was doing and this was with work and with college or with whatever um sport or anything like that that i was always trying to cater to you know when you talk to someone you kind of start talking to them you know in their accents kind of you know when you, you start you know <laughs> talking to them the way they talk to you and you lose your personality a little bit you know and it took me a while to find my own personality i think and to be brave enough to say you know th these are actually my views on it but i i welcome your views as well but you know I, i'm trying to do a positive thing here you know i mean still still people are kind of you know trying to beat it down a little bit and and try and counteract it but you know you're gonna get that and that's that's the yin and the yang of life and you, you have to be ready for them things you know and um, oh, yeah. In, in the long run, really, you know, but what, what I was going to ask you is living with bipolar is the name of your podcast. And you said you have bipolar. Can you explain um, what that means exactly? Bipolar, it's, I have a chemical deficiency in my brain. So I, it's basically a mood, um, a mood disorder where I have a hard time regulating between happy and sad or manic and fully depressed. Um, and believe me, when I get depressed, it's like an abyss. It's, it's horrible. And when I'm manic, 
wow, do I do some cuckoo things? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what it is. Now, some people experience other things with it. Um, there's, there can be muscle and body body stuff that goes with it, body pains and things like that. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's basically just a very severe mood disorder where I cannot regulate between high and low. Right. Um, but I mean, I was like, I, like I told you earlier, I was learning for that seven year period where I was in a remission from it. I obviously learned how to regulate it with food and exercise again. And I, I was faithfully going to church. There was a very spiritual side to my life then. And, um, but I think that's what it is for. I mean, for most people with bipolar, it is the high and the low. Some people stay more towards one end or the other of it, though. And when you can hit the middle ground, I mean, that's like that's the, you know, the apex of it. When you can just like finally hit middle ground and be like stable. Yeah. You know, and specifically and that, dancing with bipolar. Dancing. Well, I kind of did. I was I was a ballerina. I was trained to be a ballerina when I was a kid. So, um. And I always feel like I'm doing the cha-cha with the bipolar. Like I'm doing, you know, three steps forward, one step back. Yeah, and yeah, so right, I'm right. always like, that's, and that's kind of what it was like dancing with bipolar because I'm always doing a cha-cha with it. I'm always on a very kind of slippery slope. If I don't stay mindful of what I'm doing, it's a very slippery slope where I could wind up back, yeah. you know, in that depression mode really easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I wish you the best of luck and, and obviously your podcast dancing with bipolar and the, uh, I hope we cross paths again in the future anyway. And uh, that, that, it was really great talking to you today and appreciate you taking the time out to have, have a chat. Thank you. I appreciate it too. It was awesome. And maybe when we, you can have you on my show at some point in time too and you can talk yeah, about how, how cool you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, well, until then, thanks very much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon then. All the best, Tom. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.